Steve Polisi, mate. How are you? Not too bad, mate. How about you? Yeah, not too bad. Good to see you as usual. Yeah, you too, man. We heard you kicking some goals, going camping. Business is going well. Trying to, mate. Trying to uh, LTD. That's what we say over here in Australia. I know you haven't visited us for, for very long, and I'm upset about that. But um, yeah, no, it's been good, mate. Trying to crack back into the new year. Business is picking up, but uh, not a, not as strong as you, mate. I think I think you're kicking some pretty solid goals too there, especially with a book. I've had a I've had a good read through, mate. You're doing well. Yeah, cheers, man. No, it's my, I just wrote it like a textbook. I, I I hate the dream selling real estate books. It's just literally, if you want to know about leases, there it is. If you want to know about rents, right there, it's just just a textbook. I was actually going to say that. Like the one thing that I really like is like, you know, you don't delve into a chapter and it's like this 30 page long, you know, trying to pull out all the terms of leases and everything else like that. Like <laughs> if you want to know something specific, it's like a three page. This is everything you really need to know. This is high level stuff. Like it's really good. Yeah, cheers, man. I love it. Um, cool. Well, on to property, I guess, you know, this and, and kind of reason I wanted to get you on today is obviously you got a bit of a different twist on the typical view on property at being a, a commercial buyer's agent. And I really wanted to get your sort of insights and thought processes around that um, being one of the more prominent buyer's agents in the space. But um, if you did have, and I guess you probably you've had a big journey. I know historically about building out your own portfolio, but considering, you know, where you started and, and where you are today, do you feel like your philosophy around building our portfolio has changed through that process and where would you sort of sit now? Yeah, no, I've, de I've definitely changed it. So the, the main thing for me was I didn't know what I was doing at the start. Everyone, everyone thinks they know what they're doing. They've got all this little, like we said before, the secret sauce as we sat and they, they know where to buy and what, they don't, they're just buying properties, hoping for the best kind of thing. So I've just got some more understanding around how that all works and, and why I'm actually buying properties. Yeah, cool. That's awesome. And um, if you had the opportunity now, given like, I mean, we've talked about your portfolio a few times, but if you had the opportunity to go back and tell yourself um, something that you could about starting to build out your portfolio, what would you, would you go back and say? So the, the, the two things I'd probably go back is you need to look at your why. Like why, why are you like buying property, for instance? And the whole thing about property is leverage. That, that's why you're buying property is leverage. So then all right, once you've decided I'm going to use property because I get to leverage, because it means I get to play with big numbers. I put in little numbers and I play with big numbers. How am I going to do it? And then that's where the strategy kind of comes out because everyone's different. Like if you're an 18-year-old kid versus a 64-year-old about to retire, completely different strategy and what you should be buying and where you should be buying and how you should be buying. So it's just that it's looking at your why then looking at the how. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And I, I think, you know, as you were mentioning that the strategies are completely different. And when you typically think about commercial property, you immediately think high cash flow, and then you think, okay, well, you probably want to go for that at the later stage of the portfolio. But do you have a little bit of a, a different twist on that now being a commercial buyer's agent? And obviously you've gone through the stages yourself and building out your own portfolio. But you know, how do you how do you sit with commercial property? Do you feel like you know a, a bigger chunk of a portfolio could be made up of commercial properties? You feel like you could start there and and and, and build it from there. How do, how does that look for you now? Yeah, so so commercial is great because obviously you're really good cash flow. The negative, and this is the, the how and the why for the property part, is the leveraging. So you typically can only get a 70% LVR. There, there are a couple lenders doing 80%, but for, for this argument, 70% LVR. So you actually lose out on the leveraging aspect of property, which is the why you asked for why you want property. So going out and buying a commercial when you're starting out is 
great for cash flow, but terrible for leveraging. So if, if you've got to go out and you can go buy three residential properties on 90% loans versus one commercial on a 70% loan, and the, the market moves the same, they grow exactly the same, you're actually going to have three times more wealth with the residential space. So that, that's why you wouldn't go commercial up front because you're losing out on the leveraging aspect of it. But if, like I said, if you're an 18-year-old kid, yeah, cool. Leverage up to the eyeballs while you've got bank of mum and dad to support you and you, you can kind of crash and burn and you're going to be okay. But if you're like an older, older person and you want to retire in a few years, commercial is great because you don't have time for the capital growth of the residential. You want it just for the cash flow. So it's finding that balance there. So I, I probably should have started on commercial a little bit sooner. I grew quite a lot of residential portfolio, but I just didn't know about commercial at the time. So it's just the, the other benefit of commercial is actually increasing your servicing. So most people, as you know, with your game plans is you run into your borrowing capacity sooner rather than later now. Commercial means you can just keep, keep moving a little bit more with lease loans and kind of get that leveraging there. So that's why you might throw a commercial in sooner rather than later as well. Yeah. And, and that's, um, I mean, there's two things out of that. You're spot on with the commercial space. As you know, I'm doing it myself, uh, heading into that commercial space, which is my first thing. And um, I'm happy with where I'm entering, but, you know, wish I kind of, and that's kind of why I got a copy of your book because I really wanted to learn a lot more about it as well. I kind of feel like it's, um, you know, it, it's one of those, uh, and we talked about this as well before, but it's one of those unknown unknowns. You kind of feel like it's, um so different to sort of that stock standard residential property. But when you actually have a bit of a dive in it, it it's quite similar in a way. It's just a different type of asset really. Um, and then the second thing that I pulled out, which is quite interesting is typically a lot of people will say, well, if you go for commercial, you're going to have lower growth, but I know you've got a different opinion on this. And now that I think about it too, you know, a piece of land is a piece of land at the end of the day. Like how can, you know, it's not like you can in, in the areas where you can go buy a $3 million property, there's going to be a commercial property for 500,000 because it hasn't grown at the same rate. It just doesn't make sense. Is that like, is that your view on it now? And, and how's that changed over time? Yeah. Everyone just makes this misconception that don't grow. There's a couple of reasons for this. One, one is this, they don't actually follow the market. So they have actually have no idea and they just hear it and say it. Um, the other one is certain types of commercials are not going to grow the same as residential. So like a, a high density office space will not grow the same as a house because one's a concrete box in the sky. The other one's got a land component, much like how a high density apartment isn't going to grow the same as a residential house. So there's like, there's like for like, but on average, it has the exact same growth. Um, one of the other reasons though, is it's normally delayed to the residential market. So the residential market will move first. But because commercial properties have longer leases, you don't realize the capital growth until the lease is finished and you get them revalued. So there's normally a bit of a lag effect. So people will buy in Sydney and go, oh, I've had 20% growth. The commercial market's done nothing, saying it doesn't grow. But over the last 30 years, they've all had 5.2 to 6.4% capital growth, the same as residential. And as you sort of mentioned, they have to. You don't have a house that goes from a million to two million. And then the warehouse next door sits there at 500,000 because every person in that house is going to be like, why am I buying another house when I can spend a quarter of the money and get more rent? So they, they, then that will flow on as well. So there, there's a lot more moving parts with it, obviously, like the type of industry you're buying in, the economy, um, unemployment, all that type of stuff as well. But that's no different to residential, but it's complete misconception. If you don't believe me, go back and look at any industrial warehouse or suburban retail in a good area 10 years ago and look at the price now. They've all pretty much doubled as well. Yeah, I wonder where that comes from because, you know, you can talk about high-rise offices, but as you, you say all the time, you know, it's like comparing it to 
uh, an off-the-plan apartment in a block of 100,000. Like, it's the same like for like if you really think about it. The, the, the hard thing is you can't get any grasps on the actual numbers though. Like a residential, you can pick a suburb and go, oh, cool, this is the medium house price for a three, four bedroom. And on the whole, they're pretty much the same. Like they're gonna have different layouts, slightly different floor. Commercial, so different. Like, what are we talking? Are we talking a 80 meter warehouse? Are we talking a 200? Are we talking a 2000? What's the percentage of mezzanine area to floor space, to office space, to industrial? And that's just for industrial. Then you've got like suburban retail, then you've got high density retail, then you've got industrial. Then you've got like converted houses, like the medical centers and the vets and the just the weird retail ones that are converted. There's just so much unknown, but scrap it back. Just look at the fundamentals, land components, how much rent you're going to get. Is there capital growth prospects? Is it versatile? And then you'll do well. You won't, the resi market won't go away from you. Otherwise the commercial market will then come back five years later. Exactly. It's all relative and it's all numbers at the end of the day. And that's why I kind of love that you specialize in it as well and explain it so well. So I'm um, doing a good job with that. In terms of sort of your own personal journey and your portfolio, you don't have to get into any specifics, but do you feel like there was anything like a, a major mistake that you made or something, you know, you definitely do different next time? Yeah. So, so the big one for me is probably, I actually, this is going to sound back to some commercial parts. I actually chased cash flow too early in my residential portfolio. So I bought, bought my first one in Sydney and that did really well. And that was, that was my light bulb moment. I made, bought a place in Blacktown in Western Sydney for 230 grand. And it went up about 70, 80 grand in the first year. And I was just like, I'm an, I'm an engineer on 55 grand a year here. This is like 10 years worth of savings. And I got addicted from there. But then I tried to just emulate it with getting really good cash flow Cause a lot of the gurus at the time were like, oh, positive geared, positive geared, positive geared. And I went out and I just bought some silly properties. Like I bought, one in like Tamworth, uh, a little villa in Foster. Um, I bought a $30,000 apartment in Cairns. So this, that, that, was probably, that was probably my best and the worst purchase. So bought a $30,000 apartment in Cairns. It rented for $180 a week. So I was oh like, this is, this is brilliant. Like after body corporate and a few fees in that, we're like 120 bucks a week for a 30 grand purchase. The stupid thing was I had to pay cash for it because the bank wouldn't actually lend to it because it was under the square meter rate. So I ended up spending like 35 grand on that Cairns apartment thinking this is the best apartment in the world. If I had put that 35 grand and got some finance and bought like another Western Sydney or a Melbourne property, that would now have 600, $700,000 more. Whereas I sold that Cairns apartment for 80 grand a few years later, which not a bad net result. But if I'd put that in a property and actually used the how, the leveraging part of it, I would have made a lot more. So I I started chasing cash flow too early on in my portfolio, whereas now get a good base. If you're starting out, just buy two or three bulletproof properties, especially if you're young because you've got time on your side. And over 10 years, it'll do its thing. and It'll give you so much more options to cash out and sell and buy all commercial or re-leverage and buy commercial and you'll, you'll have a much better portfolio. Yeah, I see a lot of people sort of even today go down that route of just like, oh, I can, you know, just get all this rent coming in from my properties and I will retire in five years or whatever it might be. But, but they, you can't with residential. That's the thing. They'll, they'll go and they'll buy a property that's five grand a year positive going, oh, this is great. I'm going to be able to write. If I buy 10 of these, I can retire. You're still buying it over 10 years. Why not go buy one that doubles in value and then sell the property and then use it to live off? If you make a million dollars in kind of net result, that's a hundred grand a year for 10 years. It, yeah leveraging compounding it, it, you've got to take that back seat and sort of look where it's going to take you over the long term rather than just just for the now um and that's the whole point of the the game plans is you actually visualize you actually you know i'm, I'm being serious you, you actually look at it and go oh this is actually how it works whereas 
before seeing graphs like that, I, I, I'm a numbers guy. Like I always done my Excel spreadsheets and things like that. If I show someone a spreadsheet over 10 years, they just see a number getting bigger. They don't actually visualize, like they actually see the curve of it going up. And then that, that's the main difference when you actually do a proper, a proper property plan. Yeah. And then you see the combination between, okay, well, if I go for yield, oh yeah, it'd be nicer and I'll have an extra 10 grand this year, but then I'm losing out on a million dollars worth of growth over 30 years. And you and can- It's like all those buyers agents are like, oh, zero to hundred K passive income in five years. It's not possible unless you've got a really, really, really big deposit. Yeah. Not and borrowing capacity. Yeah. Not possible at residential. Like you need a proper time frame. So, so spot on, mate. Um, now, I've been, I know you've been in the space for a little while and you're talking about sort of spreadsheets and being an engineer back then. But um, when was that? I mean, sort of what, I, what I've commonly seen is a lot of people who get into property and have a passion for it end up turning it into a bit of a passion project that ends up turning into a business. Now, I know you have been in the space for a while, but when, when was that light bulb moment where you went, well, I want to stop being an engineer and start getting into the space. And then obviously, you know, ultimately end up building your own business. Yeah. So I've, I've done this to now well, about seven years. Um, used to be a structural mechanical design engineer. So I was designing mine sites and machines and pumping systems and all that type of stuff. Really actually enjoyed the actual job. What I, what I hated was the actual corporate world. Like I hated all the nonsense of putting on a mask the whole day, going to meetings you don't care about, pretending to care about things you don't. So it wasn't the actual job. I actually really liked the challenge of being an engineer. Um, and then I just, I got addicted to property. Like I said, when I bought my Blacktown one and that took off and then kept buying, I think I got, before I left engineering, I had eight or nine properties. Um, it was it was one of those ones where every lunch break and every time the boss wasn't in, I was on my computer having a look at properties up every night till 2 a.m., and it, it came from just actually just crappy, uh, crappy <laughs> cracking it at the corporate world. I was just like, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm sick of working thing. And like there, there was some small time kind of engineering ones, but you end up just doing admin and things like that. So I just, just saw a Facebook post for a buyer's agent at the time. They were looking for someone and wrote a bit of a silly response and then had a coffee with them and got hired. And then all of a sudden I was a buyer's agent. And I didn't plan to be my own like business or anything like that. I was just doing it as a bit of a, I need to get out of this for a year. I actually planned 12 months. I was just going to do it, see some cool deals, get upskilled a bit, and then probably go back to engineering. And then uh, I just enjoyed it too much. I just, I just love that you could actually, you could actually just play with your future. Like you can actually, by buying property and play with your future. When I was an engineer, you're there, you're there till you're 60. That's, that's the aim is you work. That's it. There's, there's no escape. Whereas now I can actually retire if I want to retire or have a go on a holiday and, work from England if I want as well. And the, the, the income supports that. Yeah. And that's the best part now is you've got that flexibility. You've got the momentum. You, you still love it. You, even though you were staying up to two o'clock back then, you can tell you still love property and searching for listings. And I think that's the main thing, as long as you're enjoying what you're doing day in and day out. Um, now, mate, there's a thousand and one different one-liners out there, but if you had like a favorite property quote or something like that, what would you, what would it be? Oh, okay. Um, Mine, there's, okay, this is it. Um, there's two ways to get wealthier. One is to earn more money. The other is to lower your expectations. Oh, I like it. And and to, if, if I'm not wrong, it's something that you've, you've just done yourself, right? With, with setting your goals and understanding what you actually want out of life. Yeah, exactly. Right. And because there's the thing, people always set these, I always get, the always ones I always get is 100 grand passive income or 200 grand passive income. That's 90% of clients what they want. And you actually ask them why they need that. And like, oh, I want to be able to travel and not work and this and that. And go, a lot of the time they've actually got their PPOR paid off. So I'm like, why do you need 200 grand to travel the world? Like you can travel the world on a grand a week very easily. 
Um, and then if you bring it in, that it just means they can stop doing a job that they're not that keen on sooner. Like get more realistic expectations and you're going to be fine. It'll just be, your and you actually did a good post about this the other day about actually enjoying work. There's no point grafting and having this delayed gratification for 20 years if you're hating what you're doing. Yeah, that's the thing, right? There's people that are earning like 200K and they're saving six grand a month or more. And then they're like, I want to replace my income of 200K. And I'm like, well, you still want to be saving six grand a month after you hit that 200K. Like you don't, yeah. you don't need all of that. You can go half or even a quarter and still enjoy your day-to-day life. Yeah, and this is, this is a, I probably shouldn't say this, but most of my wealthy clients are more miserable than my my cheaper clients, like my, my lower, lower socioeconomic ones. It's just... That it, we know money doesn't make you happy. So yeah. find out what makes you happy and see if you can do both. Totally, mate. Enjoy what you do every day and then build a build an income source for it if it turns into passive and you can put it in an asset base that'll do some work for you, then why not? Um, mate, I will... have some fun along the way. Like when you're buying properties, enjoy it. Like I get to see people that buy properties and they absolutely hate it. And it's like, why? If you hate it, definitely go get a buyer's agent. Just get them to do it. But you have to have fun along the way. Like I'm constantly joking with clients and having fun because I, yes, I make sure the numbers are right and we're professional service, but if we're not having fun, what's the point? Exactly. And, and that's what should life all be about, mate. Um, well, it's always a pleasure having a chat. Hope you come back on sometime soon if you're keen for it. Easy, mate. <laughs> Done. Sounds good. Well, um, thanks for your insights. Thanks for sharing a little bit more of your knowledge and experience and history and portfolio. I really appreciate it, mate. And um, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jordan. It's been fun.